Alright, last week we started a two week topic. Hey, Elias. Why? We're taught, we're teaching. We're in class now. I'm gonna be shouting across the room at Audrey over here, telling her good game. I mean, it was a good game, but. Yeah, I know. Alright, so we started a two week series on Bible prophecy. You guys remember where we were talking, what, what we were talking about last time? Don't say Bible prophecy. Where we were, de- what, like, where were we looking at? What are some things we talked about? We were talking about like, the prophecy of Jesus was like 700 years before it actually happened. Yes. We looked at Isaiah. We looked at Micah. Uh, I think we looked at a couple places in Isaiah and Micah. Prophecies about Jesus' birth, right? And so we talked about how uh, in the Old Testament, roughly 3,000 years ago from now, they prophesied about Jesus' birth and where he would be born and that he would be born of a virgin and you know what his name would be and all these different things they prophesied about Jesus' birth. And then roughly 700 years later, uh, those prophecies came true, right? When Jesus was actually born on the earth, he fulfilled all those prophecies that were told of him being born. And we looked at a passage in Joshua chapter 3 and uh, he, they were talking about getting ready to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And God said, it shall, come to pa- it shall come to pass that, you know, he tells, okay, as soon as the priest's feet hit the water of the Jordan River, the waters are going to part and they're going to walk across on dry land. And then almost immediately, that's what happened. It said, like, uh, the next verse or a couple verses later, it says, and it came to pass that when the priest's feet hit the water, that the water receded. Or I don't remember exactly the wording, but Joshua chapter 3 is where we looked at that. And so sometimes when in the Bible when God gives a prophecy, it's like immediately fulfilled. Like he just tells what's going to happen next, and then that's exactly what happens. Sometimes he tells uh, us in the Bible uh, of an event like Jesus' birth that takes hundreds of years after it's prophesied before it actually comes to pass. And then sometimes still, which is what we were getting, we're going to be getting into tonight, is he prophesies something you know, 2,700 years ago that still hasn't happened yet, right? Or 2,000 years ago in the New Testament, there's some prophecies about things that are going to be happening that have not yet happened. And so sometimes God's prophecies are, uh, you know, immediately or, or soon fulfilled. Sometimes they take a long time. But we have the benefit of being able to look back over all of human history through the Bible, and we can see all the prophecies uh, that God gave us either have ex- have occurred exactly how he said they were going to occur or they haven't occurred yet, right? None of his prophecies have been wrong, right? Some of them just haven't happened yet. Uh, but we can take the fact that God has been perfectly correct on every prophecy that was made and we can, you know, take the next step of that and say, well, if he hasn't been wrong yet <clears throat> and he said some things that haven't happened yet, well, it would make sense that those things are going to happen exactly the way that he said they're going to happen, Uh and we should we should take the the knowledge that we have about these events and like use that to our advantage. Okay, so um, so the first thing we're going to look at is the rapture. What do you guys know about the rapture? Catching away of the church. Yes. The word rapture is actually never used in the Bible. Exactly. The word rapture is not in the Bible. Yes, the catching away. I think the word rapture just means caught up, I believe is the definition. <clears throat> so look at, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So some of the prophecies in the Bible, 
for example, the prophecy in, in Joshua chapter 3 that we looked at last week, where God says that as soon as these priests' feet touch the water, that it's not that it's going to part way, right? If you ask what verse, I swear, you're going to go sit outside. <laughs> Some of the prophecies, like the one in Joshua chapter 3, don't apply directly to us, right? It, it is... I'll tell you in a minute. It's cool that in Joshua chapter 3, God says, this is what's going to happen, and then we see it happen, right? But to me and to you today, it doesn't ultimately matter a whole lot. Like, we can't necessarily apply in our lives the ladies on the couch. We can't necessarily directly apply to our lives the fact that the waters parted when the priest's feet touched that. Now, we can, like, see that God made a promise of something that was going to happen, and it happened, and we, we can apply that in our life, but... The fact that the water parted whenever they touched it doesn't like directly impact my life today or your life today. Uh, the prophecies of Jesus' birth, those do affect us, right? I mean, if Jesus wasn't born, uh, then we don't have uh, forgiveness of our sins, right? We can't have a Savior if the Savior was never born. So those things are more directly applicable to us, like they more impact our life. But once you get into the New Testament, specifically the books from Romans to like... Uh, really to the end of the Bible, minus Hebrews kind of, and uh, and uh, James. Besides those books, the whole the whole the whole New Testament is written to us, right? Is written to the church, and so those things apply even more directly to our life. So when we talk about the rapture, <clears throat> the rapture is yes, the catching away of the church, uh, but there's some important things to know about that because it does directly impact our life in a way that the crossing of the Jordan, or even the birth of Jesus, uh, didn't, di- well, it sounds incorrect to say the birth of Jesus didn't directly impact our life. It does directly impact our life. But this is more applicable to, like, our future, like what is coming next. If we've accepted Christ as our Savior, the rapture uh, is directly important to what comes next in our life. So, First um, Corinthians verse fif- or chapter 15, starting in verse 49. <clears throat> It says, And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I will I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible uh, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Okay, so that's a lot of uh, a lot of words. What, what does that passage mean? Starting in verse 49, we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. What's it talking about? Anybody have any idea what that verse means? We have borne... Okay, who's, who's we in that verse? No. Yes. How do you know that? How do you know that, Lucas? How do you know we is the church in First Corinthians fifteen forty nine? Somebody help him out. How do we know that we is? Right. So, but we is we all humans. How do you know that? We we don't yet. This says we will. 
Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Because this is a letter to the church. It is a letter to the church at Corinth. Great job. First Corinthians one verse two says, "Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, etc., etc., etc." Okay, the books of Romans, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First, Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. All those books are either written to a church. Stop dropping those. They're either written to well, stop dropping the same one. Oh my gosh. We're going to be done with the candy. All of those books I just named are either, shh, focus guys, are either written to a church. Lucas. Don't throw them in your mouth. If you're going to eat candy, eat candy. Stop throwing it. Stop dumping it in people's hands. And stop dropping it on the floor. Okay, those books, focus, are written to churches or a single church or in the case of like Timothy and Titus, those are written to a person. Uh, but they are written about like the church. And so when we're in the book of First Corinthians, all of that is the like not every time the word we is mentioned, but all of the book of First Corinthians is written to the church. Okay, so when it says, um, and we have borne the image of the earthly, we're doing that now. Okay, we are we are of the earth. We're we are earthly people, right? Then it says, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Well, what does that mean? Okay, so here we have an earthly body, right? I have an earthly body. We all have earthly bodies. Okay. At some point, we shall bear the image of a heavenly body. Okay, that's different than, than we have now. And then you can know more about that because it says in verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, right, that's the earthly body that we uh, have now, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I, will sh- uh, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I don't want to spend like all night on this passage. We could spend multiple weeks on this passage, but the gist of it is we're in earthly bodies now, right? We cannot go to heaven in an earthly body, right? There's no earthly physical humans in heaven, okay? There's spiritual bodies. There's a different kind of body. And it says in verse 52 that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the... Uh, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Okay, we, we will be changed from the earthly body that we have now to a heavenly body. Yes, Jackson. Um, so Is this about what we're talking about? Like, kind of, but I have this question about, like, in the Bible, uh, like, the prophecies that say that certain stuff happened before the rapture of that was a loaded question. The short answer is that it's the next. The next thing is the rapture. Everything has been fulfilled. It's. It's. That's a good question for this box right up here. And maybe sometime in the next five years, I'll get around to answering it. I know. I know. That's why I put the caveat of it might be a while. I, I will get, we do need to do a question and answer Bible study soon. So I will write that question down and I will answer it. Don't whistle at me. Well, the reason is, 
Yeah, I'll make sure that I get you the answer. If we do, if we do a question answer from questions in there, we'll have everybody together. Okay. No. Um, all right. Turn to First Thessalonians chapter four. We're gonna finish this thought on the rapture. Uh, Elias, what's your question? Four. Elias, why is your Bible not even open, bro? Why is your Bible not even open? What's your question? Four. What's your question? We're all waiting. Uh, yes. Not ex- not a, the word pandemic. I do not think is in the Bible, but that's another one of those questions for not right now. But the short answer is yes, but not not uh, currently. Okay, First Thessalonians chapter four, uh, verse thirteen, starting verse thirteen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Who's this verse talking to? The church. Thank you, Audrey. Concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, that's people who are saved but have died, uh, will God bring with him? That's not a question. That's the remainder of the sentence. But the way I said it made it sound like a question. It says, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? Verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, that's people who are alive when the rapture happens, okay, could be us, could be people after us if we die before the rapture, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the, of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be, uh, sorry, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Okay, so the, the phrase caught up in verse 17, uh, is where we get the word rapture. So, this is a, another, like, uh, another passage dealing with the same thing as what we just looked at in 1 Corinthians. So it's still dealing with the rapture. This is approaching it from a slightly different angle. So uh, it's telling us the people who have died since Jesus Christ rose from the dead, anybody who's been saved in the last 2,000 years, give or take, um, those people, they are dead currently, but they're going to be raptured up, right? The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain. So if it happens while you're still alive, right, the dead in Christ rise first, and then we rise uh, next, it says that we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, so why we're talking about all this, these are prophecies, right? I mean, you either believe what the what the Bible says about it or you don't believe what the Bible says about it. Yes, Hallie. So what you just said about just meeting God in the air, will the dead people still be dead? Will there be dead corpses there or will they be like their spirits? Okay, our bodies. It will not be... And that, that's a good question. In the last passage we just looked at, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed, it says. So, it'll be, yeah, dead bodies will not necessarily float up to heaven. 
uh, it will be it will be a spiritual in a spiritual. We will be transformed from the earthly bodies that we have now to the heavenly bodies that we will have then. Yes. I don't I don't have a perfect answer for that question. There's different opinions on that. Um but they were like dead and they already are and yeah like you have to wait So I don't have a good answer for that question. Um Let me come back to it another time. So I would say yes. There there's two different thoughts about that. Whether they die and then they're in heaven because we say stuff like that about people like at a funeral you know this person's in a better place and those types of things uh and then there's also i mean to me this passage here would indicate that the dead in christ are going to rise first at the rapture so but do they experience the passing of time do they even know that they're dead like i don't i don't have the answer to that question specifically yes it would be very difficult to do a small revelation study. Uh, it would be it would be that would be a very long study, and uh, yeah, I'm not ready to teach through Revelation yet. So, who did? When? All right, focus. It doesn't matter. Back to the Bible. Back to the stuff we're talking about right now. Okay. So, guys, on the couch. Elias, take your glasses off. So, when we look at prophecy in the Bible, these are events that are being prophesied that are yet to come, right? We look at these things as we think they're going to happen any day or, you know, in the next week or the next month or the next five years. Like, we don't know when it's going to happen, but it feels like it's coming soon, right? Everybody, everybody that you talk to says it's coming soon, it's coming soon. Um, they've been saying that for hundreds of years, but it does really seem like things are, like this could be happening soon, but we don't know exactly. But what we do know is that God said it's going to happen, so we can take God's word for it. And we can think, okay, this God said this is going to happen, so we may not know exactly when it's going to happen, but the fact that God says it's going to happen means it's going to happen, right? I mean, based on God's track record of, of prophecy in the Bible, um, we know that it is coming. And so that should change the way that we live our lives because of the next point, which is the judgment seat of Christ. That's another uh, event that uh, is prophesied about in the Bible. So turn to Second uh, Corinthians 5. Verse 10, for those of you who are going to ask before we get there. So, what do you guys know about the judgment seat of Christ? What's the judgment seat of Christ? Somebody tell me. None of you guys know what the judgment seat of Christ is? Well, we're going to be judged by God. 
We're going to be judged. Thank you. Huh? For the mistakes that we've made? Can you guys on the cast back there hear Oliver? I have yeses and noes, and Lizzie doesn't know. He said you're going to be judged for your mistakes, and then he said judge for your actions that you did or didn't do. That's accurate. Okay, so the judgment seat of Christ, that is something we Christians are going to be part of. Okay, so there's going to be a time right after the rapture happens that there's a judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before Christ, and we're going to give an answer not for our sins necessarily, right? I mean, when we get saved, God, the blood of Jesus Christ covers our sins, right? We're not going to be judged on our sins. If we're judged on our sin, what is what is Romans 6, uh, 6.23 say about our sins and what the judgment for them is? Romans 6.23, yes. For the wages of sin is death. Sorry, he said it already. Do you have a question? It's literally written on the board right there. So, guys, shh, stop having my coffee. So, there is, uh, yeah, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. Okay, so if we were judged on our sins, the wages of our sin is death. The Bible already tells us that. Okay, but we, we have eternal life, so we can't get death, right? Because our sins are covered. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So, the judgment seat of Christ is not about judging us for the sins that we've committed. Okay? That's not what the judgment seat of Christ is for. There will be a judgment for that, uh, for those who have not accepted Christ as their Savior, because the judgment for their, the wages of their sin, the judgment for their sin is death, right? Is spending eternity in hell. But for us, people who are saved, we don't have that, that, uh, future, right? So 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 5, verse 10, says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Okay, who's the who's the we? For we must all appear. The church, yes, because it's in first or because it's in Second Corinthians, right? It's written to the church at Corinth. So we all must uh, for we must all appear. Okay, that's going to be all of us. If you're saved, this is you. Okay, this is written to the church. So uh, that says that we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Look at um, uh, Romans 14. Couldn't find it in my notes. Romans 14, 10 through 12. It's on the board. Okay, so again, this is not for Jesus Christ to judge us for our sins. This is for things that we did after we were saved. We Once we are saved, we have the knowledge that uh, people who aren't saved are going to spend eternity in hell, right? That's a responsibility that we have. That's a duty that we have to tell people about Jesus, right? There are There are things that we do 
how much time do we waste? Right? What did we do with the knowledge that uh, we know Jesus is coming back? Right? We just looked at that for the rapture. We know that uh, people who don't get saved are going to hell. What are we doing with that information? Right? What are we doing to tell others around us about about that? Right? How much time are we spending with the Lord? So we, you know, how much time are we praying for our lost friends? How much time are we praying for opportunities to share the gospel with them, ladies? How much time are we spending uh, reading the Word of God, studying uh, to be prepared for those types of conversations? Like, how much time are we wasting not doing those things? That's the kind of stuff that uh, we're going to be facing at the judgment seat of Christ. It's not going to be for our sins because those are covered. Uh, Romans 14, verse 10 says... But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at not thy brother? For we shall all, again, that's, this is in Romans, so this is written to the church, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Okay, so we're going to have to give an account to God. Okay? Uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but if you could put yourself in the mind of uh, you know, you're standing before Jesus Christ. He's sitting on the throne, right? And we have to go before him and he's going to ask us, hey, you got saved when you were 12, 10, 8, 5, 15, 27, whatever, however old you were when you get saved. You got saved at that age. Let's say you got saved at 12 years old, okay? And you're standing before Jesus. Let's say you're 35 years old. And he says, you got saved when you were 12? You had 23 years before I came back and raptured you out or before you died or whatever. What did you do with that 23 years? Give me an accounting of what you did with that 23 years, right? And and we're going to have to stand before Jesus Christ and say, well, listen, for that 23 years, I, you know, spent a lot of time um, playing video games, sleeping, hanging out, doing nothing, watching TV, playing on my phone. Uh, you know, you don't really get it, God. There was a lot of distractions. There was a lot of opportunities for me not to do what I knew I was supposed to do. Because, right, all of us know, what is our job as Christians? What is the one job that we have? Share the word with others. Yeah, share the gospel with others. Right? That is the mission of a Christian. So that's that's the standard, right? The standard is tell everyone you meet about Jesus. Okay, now that doesn't sound very realistic. I'm not asking you to, like walk up to every stranger that you see and tell them about Jesus, although it would be great if you had opportunities to do that. Uh, but that's the standard, right? That's that's the what God's going to have us uh, give an account for is, hey, you had 23 years. How many people did you lead to Christ? How many people did you uh, tell about Jesus, right? We're not responsible for somebody's decision. I can tell you about Jesus, but and I can tell you that he died on the cross for your sins, and I can tell you that you should accept him, otherwise you're going to die and go to hell. I can tell you all those things, but like I can't make you get saved, right? God can't make you get saved. Nobody can do that. So how many people did we tell about Jesus, right? How many people did we disciple? How many people did we spend time investing the Word of God in so that they could go tell other people, right? Because when you get to heaven and you go before Jesus, you could say, listen, Jesus, I only led five people to the Lord in my time on this earth. But those five people, I trained them up. I taught them the Bible. I you know, invested my life into them and... You know, I, I worked in youth ministry and I trained up other people, right? Not, not people that I saved or, or led to the Lord, but other people. I, I spent my whole life investing in people. And, I, you know, I invested in 
a thousand people, and those people all won people to Jesus. And we get we get credit for that, right? That's that's spiritual fruit that counts for us, right? Those are things that uh, when when we say like we need to spend time reading our Bible, we need to spend time praying. Um, those are things so like we can be ready to share that with somebody else to get them excited about what's going on in their life. And then they go tell somebody else, right? That, that, that counts. That's what discipleship is. That's, that's why we do discipleship. If it was just about getting people saved, as soon as someone got saved, they would be raptured out, right? Every time someone saved, they're raptured out. Someone saved, they're raptured out. No, the whole point of discipleship is to invest the word of God into other people, spend our time doing that. For you guys at your age, it's, Get the information, right? Get the knowledge, get the, the wisdom, like be invested into. Take the time that you're sitting in this class. Take the time that you're sitting in a church that preaches the word of God. Some of, a lot of you guys are being discipled or have been discipled. Like take that information, gain all the knowledge that you can, not just so that you can hold it all in. Like now I know more than somebody else knows, but so you can like invest that in somebody else. So when we stand before Jesus Christ, we have to give an answer for the things that we did. And I don't want to stand before Jesus and say, I was saved for 30 years, 40 years, 20 years, five years, whatever. And I didn't do anything with it. I just wasted it. God, you don't understand. I lived in America in 2023. There's a lot of cool stuff to do, right? It's not like in the Old Testament where they had nothing to do. Life was boring and they had no distractions. Of course, they were telling people, not in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, of course, they were telling people about Jesus. There was nothing else cool going on. You don't understand. There's so much cool stuff that we have access to now, right? I can watch whatever I want on my phone whenever I want, almost instantly, right? Good and bad. So we're not going to be able to stand before Jesus, though, and, and give him reasons why we didn't. I mean, those are just excuses, right? We could also look at it and say, listen, I can talk to someone in Japan on my phone in two seconds if I wanted to, and I can tell them about Jesus from across the world, right? That's not something that somebody in the Bible times could have done. That's not something somebody could have done when I was a kid. Like in my lifetime, that's changed. And so, yes, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things um, that, that keep us from doing the things that we know we're supposed to do. But we have so much more access to reach people with the gospel that didn't exist before uh, the technology that we have now exists. So at some point we're going to stand before Jesus and we're going to have to give an answer. Uh, turn to one more place. First Corinthians chapter 3. First yeah. Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10. Alright guys, we have six minutes. Focus for six more minutes and then you're out of here. We got one last point. First Corinthians chapter three, verse ten says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, all of us, if you're saved, have a foundation that is Jesus Christ. That's where our uh, our building starts, right? When we get saved, we are having Jesus become the foundation that we're going to build the rest of the things in our life on. Fellas on the couch. Shh. Yeah, neither one of you are listening. We're going to build... Guys, shh. We're going to build it on this foundation that is Jesus. We get to choose what gets built on that, okay? Verse, verse uh, 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Okay, so the first three, gold, silver, precious stones, 
those are materials that you would want to build with. Now, if you're building a house, uh, you're not necessarily going to want to build that out of gold. That would be very expensive and not cost-effective. Um, yeah, you would actually build a house with wood and things like that. But uh, in a spiritual sense, what we want to build on in our life is with gold and silver and precious stones. Okay, wood, hay, and stubble, those are things... Shh, those are things that are not going to last. Okay, keep reading this passage. Verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Right? We're, this is us giving the answer. This is what uh, is going to take place at the judgment seat of Christ. So we're going to stand before Jesus and He's going to look at... Okay, hey, I gave you this foundation. Uh, Jesus Christ is the foundation. This is what we all started with. We all started with the same in the same place. Okay? Uh, For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath builded thereupon... He shall receive a reward. A reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Okay, so I want you guys to picture this. Okay, you're standing before Jesus, and he says, "Stop." He says, "What did you do with with what you had? You had Jesus Christ as your foundation, right? That's the best start you can have. That that's where that's where God's work stops. Uh, and then it's up to us." If we want to invest more into that building, right? And so we can, we can, you know, imagine that this pulpit, and you know, I say, Jesus, I led this one person to the Lord. I led this person to the Lord, and I can put up there. I played video games. I was on my phone. I did this, right? We're gonna, we're gonna put all the things that we did after we were saved, right? We're gonna present those to Jesus, right? And it says that. Then it says. Uh, because in verse 13, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. There's a standard, and God's going to say, "Okay, let's see if this. Let's see if your, uh, you know, the, what you've presented stands up, or if it's just going to burn. If it was just wasted, Jackson, stop. If it was just wasted time, wasted energy, wasted talent, right? Let's see if it wasted and would." Hay and stubble is stuff that's going to burn. Okay, so when the fire gets presented, uh, those things are going to burn up. That's gonna, that's going to get rid of all the superfluous junk stuff that doesn't matter in our life. And what we what we ultimately are presenting to God then is what's left, right? The things that we did that actually had an eternal impact. I want to be able to look and say, hey, that person over there, they're here because I shared the gospel with them. Right? This person over here is here because I discipled this person and they, they told them about Jesus. So that person's here because of something that I did. And this person, and I, I have these things that are going to last forever, right? People's souls are going to last forever. And so the people that are in heaven, uh, they're at the judgment seat. They're going to, those are going to be the things that will have lasted. And, um, so all of you guys are in school or you've at least homeschooled or whatever. And you guys have tests, right? You guys all have tests? You don't do homeschool tests? Okay. Imagine if this was the test, right? Your teacher tells you day one of class in August or whenever you start school, they say, okay, there's going to be a test. This semester, it's going to be sometime between now and Christmas. There's going to be a test. It's worth 100% of your grade. Okay? It's, it's all of your grade for this class. It's pass-fail. Okay? Here's what's going to be on the test. Okay? And they give you a list. They rattle off everything that's going to be on the test. Okay? They give you all the answers. They tell you everything that, that you're going to be tested and graded on. And they tell you sometime between now and Christmas, 
I'm going to give you this test. This is what's going to be on it. These are the answers that I'm looking for. And you have until that test takes place to be ready for the test. Does that make sense? That will be an easy test to take, right? All you have to do is remember the things that they told you or write them down and study them or whatever, right? If they tell you ahead of time the answers to the test, that's the easiest way to pass the test, okay? God has told us there's going to be a test, right? We are going to, if you're saved, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ one day and give an answer for the things that you did. Here's the things that you're going to be tested on. What did you do with the knowledge that you had after you got saved? I gave you a foundation of Jesus Christ. What did you do with it? That's what you're going to be tested on. Okay? We don't know when the test is coming exactly. It could be any time. Right? But God gave us the answers already. He already told us what He's expecting. Right? What He wants from us. That should be an easy test to pass. All of us should be able to stand before Jesus and say, listen, this is what I did. I knew this was coming. I spent time reading your Bible. I spent time praying for my lost friends. I spent time telling people about Jesus. I spent time blah, 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 doing the things that were important that actually mattered. And because of what I did, this person's in heaven, this person's in heaven, this person, this person, right? That's the kind of answers for the test that we're looking for. Now, there's not a pat, the, this analogy breaks down because you can't fail and be kicked out of heaven or anything like that, right? Once you're saved, you're always saved. You can't lose that. Um, but, man, none of us should want to stand before Jesus and say, I didn't do anything. All I have is the foundation you gave me. I did nothing with it, right? That's going to be a really sad place to be in, uh, to stand before Jesus and be able to look him in the face and say, I didn't do anything, Right? So this is the other side of prophecy that of things that haven't yet happened. There's other things, right? The second coming of Christ, all the stuff that happens in Revelation. Uh, we're not going to get into all that, obviously, tonight. But, um, but Bible prophecy is important uh, because we can take God's past um, fulfillment of prophecy and we can apply that to the future and say, okay, he said these things are going to happen, so I should be living my life in such a way that I believe that those things are going to happen. Because if you believe you're going to stand before Jesus one day, that should change the way that you live your life. It should change the things that you invest your time in. It should change the things that you invest your talents in, right? Maybe instead of going to school to be, you know, some, I don't know, a doctor. A, a, I don't know if you go to school to be a basketball player. Yeah, instead of going to school to be an astronaut, now you're going to go to school to be a missionary. Because being an astronaut's cool. That would be cool to go to space, right? But... That doesn't have an eternal impact, right? I mean, yes, you can lead people to the Lord at your job. I'm not saying that God can't use astronauts. But I'm saying there's other things... Shh, there's other things we can do with our life uh, that would be maybe a better investment of our, our time, our talent, and our treasure. I'll answer your question about astronauts in a minute because we're going to pray and be done. I'm guessing your question's about astronauts. <laughs> 